Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap praise for all the people that are here today in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. In the book of Revelation in chapter 10, please turn there. We're going to focus this morning on the mighty messenger and the open book. The mighty messenger and the open book. Last Sunday we talked about the last trumpet or the seventh trumpet. And now we're just going to focus on the messenger here in chapter 10 and the open book. Amen. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1. If you have that, say praise the Lord. Okay, verse 1. It says, And I saw another mighty angel. Some translations leave the word another out. And, uh, and there's a reason probably for that. Because this, if this is the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's a mighty messenger. Or the messenger of the covenant. Rather than just an angel of, you know, that we know as angels, okay? But anyway, just for the sake of reading, King James Version, I saw another mighty angel or messenger come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, say open. And he set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice. Say a loud voice. It wasn't a real quiet kind of voice. It was a loud voice. Loud proclamation. As when a lion roareth, or literally uh, a very deep, low, like a, a bull bellowing. Okay? That's, that could be translated actually, the bellowing, bellowing of a bull. But anyway, they translated as a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. Which means he understood what the thunders uttered. He was just told not to write it. Okay. And so he says, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered. And write them not. <clears throat> Doesn't say he did not understand. It says he was not to write them. Verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea. Or the messenger which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth. Lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever. Who created heaven and the things that therein are. And the earth and the things that therein are. And the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer, or no longer delay. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Say finished. As he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel or the messenger which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the messenger's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten, my belly was bitter. 
And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Lord Jesus, we just thank you right now for the reading of your holy word. We ask God that you would anoint and bless the preaching of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> just as we had in the seventh seal and the sixth seal, in between those two, we had a parentheses of vision. Now, in between the sixth trumpets and the sounding of the seventh trumpet, we have a vision placed in there as a parentheses. And so what we have here is the major, uh, I don't really like to use the word player, but the major personages that are involved in the, this time of the book of Revelation. In this particular chapter, it's the mighty angel or the mighty messenger. Go with me to Isaiah 9 and verse 6. The prophet Isaiah tells us about a mighty, a mighty messenger describes him for us in Isaiah chapter 9 and in verse 6 it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful and then counselor or mighty messenger the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace this mighty messenger here, number one, it could be the Lord Jesus Christ himself at the second coming. This also could be just a, another angel, but a mighty messenger, a mighty angel. Either way you look at it, it still depicts the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and the finished work. Whether it's him or it's not him. Okay, praise the Lord. But the Bible describes this mighty messenger. He says that he comes down from heaven and he's clothed with a cloud. That's his garment. He's literally enveloped with a cloud. And a rainbow is upon his head, so he's got a rainbow hat. One translation is he has a, a light, a circle of light around his head. And then the Bible says that in his, his face it is as it were a sun. Okay, his feet are as pillars of fire. And he has in his hand a little book which op is open. And he sets his right foot upon the sea, his left foot on the earth. So y'all pretty under got the description of this mighty messenger. <clears throat> Whenever you try to interpret the word of God, you have to go back and see where things are first mentioned. And when you see this mighty messenger coming down from, from heaven, we'll just say it's the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? That it's not just another angel of the same kind of angels that were before us here. But this is the mighty messenger. This is the Lord Jesus. Okay. And it shows his description here. His face is as the sun. The Bible talks about as the sun shining in its strength. He's got a rainbow on his head and he's clothed with the clouds. And the cloud, who is the cloud? We preached on the clouds of heaven. The clouds in the word of God are not just talking about atmospheric clouds. But they are the bride of Christ. They are the army of God. They are the people of the Lord. So when you see him clothed with a cloud, it's the Shekinah glory cloud, number one. But in the Shekinah glory cloud, it is the people of the Lord because we are likened unto a cloud. We are likened unto a mighty army. So what we see here, here is that we see, if, we, if it's the Lord Jesus, and I believe it is, then what you see is him coming back with his saints. 
And he's coming back with, the Bible says, with clouds. And so we're going to talk a little bit about these uh, depictions here of this mighty messenger. Go with me to Revelation 4. The Bible tells us something very interesting in Revelation chapter 4. It says in verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, the door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. Say, a throne. So John is caught up to the throne room here in the Spirit. And the Bible says, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. So when you see this mighty messenger clothed with a cloud with a rainbow on his head, that takes you back to Revelation 4 where we see the one sitting on the throne in the throne room. There's a rainbow round about the throne. So again, it's, it's speaking to you of the Lord Jesus Christ and his covenant with us. And it goes on and it says, and then it talks about a round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Isn't that interesting? That around the throne you've got these 24 elders, and they're clothed in white. So again, depicting the cloud here. And then the scripture continues, and it says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, say lightnings, and thunderings, and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which is the seven spirits of God. That's powerful. Amen. So associated with this throne room is the one sitting on the throne. We see him. He's got a rainbow around the throne here. So it speaks of the Lord Jesus in his covenant with us. Amen. But in that throne room, we find in Revelation 4, thunders, lightning, Voices, what else? Did it say? Let's look at it. Verse 5. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings. Say thunderings. Again, connecting you with Revelation 10, the seven thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now go to Revelation 6. See, we're trying to weave this all together here. Revelation 6, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals of a what? Of a scroll book, of a seal scroll. When he opens, chapter 5 talks about the seal scroll. Chapter 6, we see him opening these seals. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of what? Thunder. Thunder. One of the four, four beasts saying, come and see. And then that white horse comes forth. And he, had, he that sat on him had a bow. That's not a bow and arrow. That is a rainbow. So now we have the rider on the white horse has a rainbow. And he's a messenger of the covenant. Do you understand? And in connection with this announcement from the most holy place. As the lamb opens one of the seals. The Bible says there is the noise of thunder. Are you with me here? Okay, now let's go over and look at Psalm, please. Psalm chapter 81 or Psalm 81 and verse 7. 
<clears throat> what is this messenger about? Well, he is a messenger of the covenant, and he is linked with the throne room of God Almighty. The seven thunders are there, the rainbow is there, the clouds there. All very key things. The word mysteries there. Very key things that show you this messenger of the covenant is coming forth from the most holy place or the throne room. Now, Psalm 81, verse 7. Amen. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place, and the secret place is the most holy place. The secret place is the throne room. You with me here? Now, do you understand where the throne room is? Okay. The Bible says here, he said, I answered thee in the secret place of what? Thunder. So again, the most holy place or the secret place is linked to thunder. And then he says, I prove thee out at the waters of Meribah. And then he says, Selah, think about it. So when you talk about the most holy place and you talk about thunder or the secret place and thunder, thunder is the message. Because when this messenger of the covenant roars like a mighty lion, then seven thunders utter their voice. So when that message of the messenger of the covenant goes forth in connection to the most holy place or the secret place, are you here with me here today? Then what you have is a release of the message when you have the thunder. Okay? Because... And it is the message of the most holy place, or it is the message of, it is finished. It's the message of the finished work. It's the message of the blood covenant. You understand? And so when you see the, the throne room, and you see this mighty angel, you're going to have in connection thunder and lightning, and also an earthquake, because it's linked to the message of the covenant, or the finished work. It's a secret place. Now, not everybody gets to that place. A lot of people stand out in the outer courts of the tabernacle or the temple. They stand out in the outer court and they have a certain experience with God. And then some people go up there. And let me talk about the outer court just a minute. The outer court is the place of Calvary. The outer court is the place of sacrifice. Okay, so a lot of people, they've gone to the cross and they recognize what Jesus has done for them on the cross. And they stop right there. But there's more to the gospel than just, just Calvary in the outer court. If you keep walking, if you keep going, you'll enter into the tabernacle and there's a holy place there. And the holy place is the Holy Ghost or getting filled with the Spirit of God. Or the power of Pentecost. So pass over the cross. Pentecost in the holy place. Getting the Holy Ghost. The power of Pentecost is in that second dimension. But beyond the veil in the tabernacle. There is a secret chamber. A secret room. That is called the throne room. And if you keep going. You will eventually get into that secret place. And the way you get into the secret place. Is by the work of the cross. You get in, okay, the first dimension is the cross. 
You get into the second dimension, the power of Pentecost, get the Holy Ghost in the tabernacle holy place by the cross. You get in the most holy place, the third room or that secret place by the work of the cross so that the cross and the most holy place are linked together because the throne is sprinkled with blood seven times. So it's all linked together. The most holy place is the message of it is finished. The finished work of the cross out in the outer court. That is the message of the most holy place. And that's why you have a messenger of the covenant. And when he speaks, seven thunders utter their voice. Because the the Bible says he speaks to them from the secret place of thunder. Do you understand the connection here? Some people, they all, what they hear when they hear the message of the finished work here of the covenant, all they hear is thunder. They don't hear a voice. But the thunder is uttering their voices. The thunder is saying something. To some people, all they hear is thunder. The thunderclap. But there's some people who have made it beyond the veil. Just like that mighty messenger. The reason why he's got a rainbow on his head is because the rainbow's around the throne. He stuck his head behind the veil and got a revelation of the finished work of the cross. And because he has a revelation of the finished work of the cross, are you here? Then he understands the thunder or the message. So as as you walk with God, There are different levels of of experience in God. One is just getting an understanding of the cross. The other one is getting full of the power of the Spirit. And then the other one is sticking your head behind the veil and getting a revelation of it. Say a revelation of it. See, it's one thing to know factually and historically that He died. But it's all together, together different uh, than experiencing that or understanding the depth of that. There are deep things to understand in connection with the finished work. And it takes you all the way to the throne room. And not everybody has that understanding. And because they don't have that understanding, they can't understand the thunders. But John, come on, John had a revelation of Jesus. That's what this whole book is about. It's a revelation of Jesus. This mighty messenger is a revelation of Jesus. This mighty message, his message that he preaches is a revelation of Jesus. This whole book of Revelation is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this mighty messenger, he's got a revelation of the throne room. He's got a revelation of the finished work. And because John understands that revelation, he can hear what the thunder is saying. Do you understand? He understood what the thunders were saying. But he was told not to write it. Which means it can be understood by those who have a revelation of it. Do you understand? So the secret place of thunder. Yeah. The messenger coming out of that place is preaching the message of the revelation of Jesus. And when it says there's going to be time no longer that means no more delay in the manifestation of it do you understand a manifestation of that message
not just the preaching of the message but the manifestation of it or the appearing of it mm. okay let's look at Psalm 29 and I'm talking about this mighty messenger when he utters his voice like a roaring lion seven thunders utter their voices and I'm trying to show you the link with the most holy place with the rainbow and the cloud etc and the message of the new covenant the blood covenant or the cross all right how many of y'all want to get in the most holy place or the secret place of thunder how many want to get a revelation not just hear it factually but you want to get a revelation or a manifestation of the finished work in your life it's a deep deep place it's a sovereign where god moves all by himself sovereign move of god in your life Okay, Psalm 29. Let's look at some more scripture about this thunder here. Okay, Psalm 29. The Bible says this, verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. How many mighty do I have in here? So again, now look, look at this. This mighty messenger, number one, speaks to you of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, it speaks to you of a corporate man, the church. Watch this. He says in, verse, in chapter 29, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. So the saints of God there are called mighty. Just like the mighty angel is called mighty. Now the saints of God are called mighty. Because listen to me. Jesus was the word manifest in flesh. But now he's got a body and I'm looking at you. And literally you have become the word manifest. You are, you're not God, but you're the word manifest. So you are a mighty messenger. And the message that you are to preach is the message of the cross. You are to preach, it is finished. Do you understand that? Hmm. So that this mighty messenger is standing in the midst of a corporate man. Okay, okay, I pray you get this. So he says to the mighty here, look at your name and say, are you mighty? Ask him the question, are you mighty? Are you a mighty messenger? Are you clothed with cloud? Do you have a rainbow on your head? Have you stuck your head behind the veil? Do you have a revelation of the finished work? Does your face shine like a sun with glory? Because the sun speaks of the manifest glory of God. Do you have the manifest glory of God on your face? Is your head clothed? Come on. Is your head? Do you have a rainbow on your head? Do you have glory on your face? Do you have a message in your mouth? Are you mighty in God? Are you a mighty messenger in God? Do you carry the covenant? Woo. Do you proclaim it is finished? No longer delay. It's time for the manifestation of that work. Verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Give Him glory. Give Him praise. Give Him worship. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not the ugliness of holiness. It's the beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mode. 
and define for you what is beautiful. Let God's word define for you what is beautiful. And God says that holiness is not ugly, but holiness is beautiful because it radiates the glory of God on that person's face. He beautifies the meek with salvation. So don't let the world tell you that what you look like is ugly. That's a lie, man. You see, they're, they're the ones that's confused. Uh, holiness is beautiful un, unto God. And that's the way we worship Him. And then watch this, verse 3. He said, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. And so when you give Him glory, that's you create a river or a flow. Now, I know a lot of you are going to know some of the things that I'm talking about this morning. But let me re-preach it to you. We never really get it anyway. I can preach it a hundred times and we never really get it anyway. But a river in the Bible is always glory. That speaks of glory. Water speaks of the Spirit, but a river speaks of glory. When you create glory, doxa, when you give Him doxa, when you give Him glory. See, there is, He has glory. He is glorious. But glory is something you give him. And the way you give doxa to him or glory is by worshiping him and by praising him. And when you praise him and you worship, you create a river in the house. You create glory in the house. That's why in connection with this mighty messenger, when he speaks... When you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you have got, listen, you have got a city. And out of the city flows a river. It's clear as crystal. And it's flowing from the throne of the Lamb. So when you stand up and you preach this message or you worship God, then you are creating a river. And that river is coming out of the throne. And guess what? Listen, the throne is inside of you. And the lamb, the lamb who's sitting on the throne is inside of you. So when you worship him or you praise him, there is a glory that comes out, of, out from the, in the midst of the city. And I remind you that you are the city. And because you're feeding on the Lamb's book of life. Because you're married to the Lamb. And you're feeding on that work of the Lamb. Because of that message, that's what produces the worship. That's what produces the glory. That's what produces the river that flows from the throne of God Almighty. It's the message of the messenger. Woo! Glory to God. And there's all kinds of opposition that try to stop that your soul right here is going to try to stop you from giving him glory your soul right here is going to try to stop the manifestation of that glory see but you got to over that's why the bible says you have to overcome and and that's why revelation 2 and 3 lets you know that only the overcomer gets into that throne room it's not automatic you've got to overcome 
You've got to overcome demonic powers. You've got to overcome uh, the beast. You've got to overcome the mark. You've got to overcome all kinds of things. The harlot. You've got to overcome Babylon. You've got to overcome your flesh. You've got to overcome your will. You've got to overcome your mind. You've got to overcome the world. You've got to overcome the devil. You've got to overcome the false prophet. You've got to overcome false doctrine. You've got to overcome. And on and on it goes in the book of Revelation. All the things that you've got to overcome. And then when you overcome, the Revelation chapter 2 and 3 chapters of Revelation tells you the promise of everybody that overcomes. There's a promise that is connected with. Listen, it's not connected with just Calvary. It's not just connected with the power of the Holy Ghost. But the promise that God gives to the overcomer is connected to the most holy place. So if you'll overcome everything the Bible talks about in Revelation that you have to overcome, then you will, come on, you will become a manifestation of that room. No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which temple ye are. Don't you know that the city is a people and I'm looking at you and the lamb is in the midst of the city. I said the lamb is in the midst of the city and from that throne comes forth a river. I think you're starting to understand some things here. But the overcomer is the only one who experiences this type of move of God in their life. Yeah. It's people who've got a revelation of what's going on behind the veil. But it's the people who had to overcome a lot to get there. It's not automatic, man. you got to be hungry for this. you got to, you got to desire this. you got to... First, you have to know it's available to you, you know. Thank God for the cross and thank God I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But there is something in the kingdom operation of God. He wants us to not just move and, you know, experience the cross. And not just move in the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. He wants you to operate in kingdom authority. Where you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, kingdom authority is different from just out here in the outer courts and getting the Holy Ghost there's a place you can walk in God where he gives you kingdom authority you start walking as kingdom people of God it's a manifestation that's happening okay now again he says okay watch this yeah so you know where it's all coming from now right how many of you know the throne is inside of you and yeah, I do believe in literal throne and I believe in literal physical Jesus. Of course I do. But I'm telling you in the spirit that you are the throne room of God. But watch this. You go from glory to glory. Just because you got the throne room in you don't mean that you have experienced in your life that position or place. It's a secret place. So you go from glory to glory. And how do you do that? By beholding his face. When you see his face, you're changed as in an instant from glory to glory. So that you are gradually becoming. Mm, you are gradually becoming what you have experienced inside in all its depths. Do you understand this? But you've got to see him. You've got to see his face. He's got to be more to you than just a historical Jesus. Calvary has to be more than just a historical occurrence. There has to be an experience of these things in your life. And so he says, 
He says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. If you want to hear from God, I said, if you want to hear from, say the voice of the Lord. And there are seven thunders here. There are seven voices of the Lord here in Psalm 29. It is in connection with Revelation 10, the seven thunders. There are seven. Are you with me? There are seven uh, announcements of the voice of God or the fullness of the voice of God here. Number one, he says, okay, y'all with me still? The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. So if the waters speak of the glory that issue from the throne of God, and you are, when you worship Him and you give Him glory and the message is preached, that glory flows out. What's going to happen is His word is upon the waters. If you want to hear from God, when you have that first thunder sound, when that first thunder sounds, that's the voice of the Lord upon the waters. That's when God begins to speak into a church, a rhema word. He, he speaks a prophetic word to that house. If you're not hearing from God, if you will worship Him, you'll give Him glory, or you'll preach His word, all of a sudden, then the Lord is going to come on those, that, that glory. In fact, when He created the heavens and the earth, He created the heavens and the earth, and He said, let there be, and He did it in an atmosphere of glory. The sons of God were giving Him glory. The sons of God could be angels. It could be the people of the Lord. The church. Are you here? But we, they were giving Him glory, and as they were giving Him glory, He stepped out on nothing, and He said, let there be. And I say he stepped out on nothing. Oh, yeah, I like this. Nothing is just something that has not been manifested yet. I said nothing is just something that has not been manifested yet. And so what the Lord did, in a sense, he stepped out on nothing. But what he really stepped out on was glory. And as the glory was going up, you could hear the heavens resound. Praise God. The sons of God standing in the throne room around the throne of God. And they were crying, holy, holy, holy. And as they cried, holy, holy, holy in that secret place. Throughout the corridors of heaven. From the most holy place into the holy place. And then those that were standing in the outer court. In the sanctuaries of heaven. They all begin together in unison saying. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Until the post of the door moved. The temple. And, and when the post of the, of the temple moved. The Bible says. And then you see this river flowing out. Of that people. Are you here? Or that city or that temple. And it's coming from the throne. But see, God never does anything without the atmosphere of glory. If you want Him to talk, then you need to give Him glory. If you want Him to speak, if you want Him to be a messenger of the covenant to you, then you've got to get in a place where you give Holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And you will remember, listen, you will remember that the seraphim, that cry holy, holy, holy in the prophet Isaiah chapter 6. Come on. Where are they located? The most holy place. There are two cherubim that are facing down on the ark of the covenant or the throne of God. And it is those that are, they, they say, he's holy. They're looking up at him. They're underneath the throne. They're underneath the throne. And they say, he's holy. 
He's holy. The Bible said they cried one to another. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And all we see is two of them when you look at from the position as you approach the most holy place. Hallelujah. Are you with me here? You approach it. And as you approach it, all you can see is two cherubim. But there's really four. You have to get dimensionally in God before you can see the other two. Yeah, God. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you today that those that we know as two seraphim, they're in the mo- they are in the most holy place. And it is from that place they cry, holy, holy, holy. And he's sitting above the throne. He's sitting above them. I don't know if you're getting this or not. But all this glory was going on. And the Lord just said, there's too much glory in here right now. And he just stood up. He said, let there be. And when he said, let there be in the atmosphere of praise and glory, he spoke his word. He was a messenger. Listen, he was a messenger of the old creation. And he is the messenger of the new creation. And this mighty messenger is none other than God himself. Manifest in the flesh. The lamb that sits upon the throne. Same one that created the heavens and the earth. But it was done in an atmosphere of glory. Praise God. And then the message went forth and the thunder took place. So if you want to hear from God, then create some glory. I'm going to tell you right now, see, sometimes we don't understand that. We come to church and we come just to hear something. You know, just to hear the word preached or whatever. Uh, Hear somebody, you know, sermonize something. What we need to understand, though, is we don't just need a sermon. We need a message. And we need a message that will cause a manifestation. But the message, when it's understood, will bring about the manifestation of the message. But if you don't understand it, there'll never be a manifestation of it in your life. And that thunder, that message, come on somebody, is the message of the most holy place. That's where they cry holy, holy, holy unto God. That's where they create glory. Now watch. Yeah, I... I'm just, man, I feel the Spirit of the Lord here today. He goes on and he says, So the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. And then he says, The God of glory. And glory is nothing more or less than the manifest presence of God. When you talk about the glory of the Lord, you're talking about the manifest presence of the Lord. See, God is here, He's everywhere. But it doesn't mean His glory is here. Because His glory is what? The manifestation of His presence. So He says the God of glory what? Thundereth. He don't come quietly. He thunders His message. It's like a mighty thunderclap when He... When that message is spoken. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon, the Lord is upon many waters. Not just his voice, but the Lord himself is upon many waters. Hello, many waters. You see, we don't understand that what is true of him will become true of us. So that he will manifest himself in and through us. You are the clouds. 
that he will appear in and then with physically in the end. Now watch. Hmm. The voice of the Lord, many is number two, thunder. The voice of the Lord is powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, it's powerful. See, I'm glad today that I'm not in some religious, carnal, fleshly system of religion where there's no manifestation of His power. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful to, to, to deliver. It's powerful to change. It's powerful to transform. It's powerful to heal. It's powerful to save. I don't need you to light my fire this morning. Just look at your name and say, are you, are you got the powerful word in you today? If it's powerful in you, it's moving you. Because listen to me, if it's powerful, that means it's energized. And if it's energized, that energy produces movement. If there's no, now watch this, watch this. Because it's powerful, the thunder is powerful, it produces lightning. And lightning, listen, hold on, just don't round me out yet. Lightning is the movement of the most holy place. So when you've got a powerful thunder, you have associated with that movement because that powerful, come on somebody, that powerful voice is so energized. It's got so much energy that it will cause lightning. It will cause, come on, it'll cause movement. Don't tell me you've got a powerful word working in you, a powerful energy in you, if it's not producing any movement in you, if there's no lightning flashing from that throne room. So these are all things that are within you. The power. Come on, somebody. Powerful word. Producing movement. Praise God. Amen. Voice of the Lord is powerful. And I believe that with all my heart. See, the word I preach, that I'm preaching to you today, is not just a, just a word out of just any book. The word I preach to you today is the word of the living God. And it is powerful. It's so powerful. It sets in motion in time things that he's spoken in eternity. That's how powerful it is. All he's got to do from that throne room in a, in a sovereign way. When you talk about the sovereign move of God from the throne room, that's when God just takes over everything by himself and he don't need no help. He just says, let there be, and it is. Sovereign move of God. It's the double denunciation of deity. Where he speaks twice. Once in the heavens and once in the earth. Really what it is, it's just an echo of what he said in the heavens being what? Manifest in time. So that I can tell you right now his word is powerful. And I'm not going to give you all the details. They'll testify about it tonight. But there are a lot of people here who are walking in a word that God spoke to us at the beginning of this year. And God's word to us at the beginning of this year was that this was the year of recompense for the church. And the word recompense literally means do reward. Now come tonight if you want to hear some testimonies. It's going to blow your mind. Because there are some people who have entered into that prophetic word that God gave to this church. It's coming to pass. Because his word is powerful. Powerful. 
He speaks it in the heavens, then it's echoed in the earth. Hmm, yeah, and that's a thunder. Now watch this. The Bible says the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. It's majestic. It's royal. It comes from the mouth of a king. It comes from the mouth of not just any king. It comes from the mouth of the king of kings. I'm looking at kings. But he's the king of kings. He goes on. He says, mm, say majestic. Majesty. Majesty, majesty, majesty. He's majestic. He's majesty. Oh, God. But it says it's full. See, this place, this most holy place, it's all about fullness. It's not about partiality, it's fullness. The gifts of the Spirit are just things that are in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. The gifts of the Spirit, that's just the second dimension. And we get all excited. Woo, somebody spoke in tongues. Woo, somebody gave a message. Woo, somebody prophesied. Woo, yeah. Let me tell you something, friend. That's just the second dimension operation of God. There is a kingdom manifestation of God. That's why it's majestic. It's beyond any description. It's beyond anything that you can ever experience in God. It's kingdom. But it costs you. It costs you. You have to be an overcomer. Now watch this. Okay. See, I've got to hurry. I've got a lot to talk about this morning. But he says, the voice of the Lord breaketh cedars. Breaketh. He's a breaker. Breaketh. You need a breakthrough. He's a breaker. He can break cedars, man. You know, and that speaks of, of course, you know, world... <laughs> Kings and kings, uh, kingdoms, etc. Cedars speak of royalty in the earth realm. But God says, you know what? I'm king of kings and I can just snap them. I can just break them. I can set up one. I can take down another. It's all in his control. He goes on and says, the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Yeah. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the... I wish I had time. I'll tell you what, every one of these things, are te- they're sending you on another journey, man. The unicorn sends you on another journey. Hallelujah. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. There it is. There's that lightning, that fire associated with that message. That fire associated with that thunder. The thunder is the message. The lightning is the movement. And here he is. He's dividing that with his voice. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. I don't care where you are right now. If you're in a desert place somewhere, in a wilderness, in a dry place right now, in a desert place right now, all you need is God to speak into your wilderness. And the Bible says He will shake the wilderness. In fact, everything that shall be shaken will be shaken. You know why? Do you know why that has to happen? Hebrews 12 tells you so that His kingdom... His kingdom will be, remain. But everything that is not of His kingdom is going to be shaken. He's going to take everything out of me and everything out of you that is not His kingdom. So get ready for a shaking. So now in this passage, we not only have the voice manifest the thunder. And we have the lightning, lightning movement. 
But now we've got the manifestation of the most holy place. And that's a shaking or an earthquake. Because when you see the most holy place, you're going to see thunder and lightning and voices. And also, you're going to see an earthquake. And an earthquake is something that shifts from beneath. So what God's going to do is when the message goes forth, the word goes forth, the message of the most holy place, and then the lightning, there's going to be the movement of it, and all of a sudden, then you have a manifestation because something underneath you starts shaking. And everything that's not God is shaken. And the reason why He's going to shake, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken because... Hebrews 12 says, His kingdom will remain. And if, if you've got it in it, got it in you, and it's not His kingdom, He's going to shake the hell out of you. That's why that mighty angel stands up. He's got one foot on the land that speaks of carnal Christianity. Carnal-minded saints. Earthly saints, so-called, if you can call a Christian, a true Christian carnal. <laughs> but the, when he's got his foot on the earth realm, that speaks of the dust man. That speaks of the carnal minded people. He's going to shake carnal minded people. Then the Bible said he's got his foot over on the sea. And the Bible says the wicked are as the troubled sea. So he's going to shake the wicked. And then the Bible says he lifts this mighty messenger, lifts his hand to heaven. That speaks of spiritual minded people. But he's going to shake the earth realm. And he's going to shake the sea realm. He's going to shake the carnal Christian. He's going to shake the wicked. But he's going to embrace the spiritually minded man. So get ready. I say he's literally going to shake the beast out of you. He's going to shake the beast out of you. He's going to shake the false prophet out of you. He's going to shake hell out of you. He's going to shake everything that's connected to carnal fleshly things and wicked things. And he's going to lay hand, hold on, a people who are heavenly minded. People who are spiritually minded. They're not just focused on this earth. They're not wicked. Hallelujah. As this troubled sea. But they are a people who are spiritually minded. They are heavenly minded people. And they walk, listen, they walk in this earth to manifest, to be thunder. They walk in this earth to be thunder, the message. They walk in this earth to be lightning, the movement. And they walk in this earth to be the earthquake that brings a shaking everywhere they go. They shake carnal, carnal things. I don't know about you, but let, I want God to use me. I want God to use me to preach the thunder, the message. I want God to use me to move like lightning. I, in fact, the Bible, oh, I don't have time for all of this. But you know what? You look at the Bible in the book of Ezekiel. When you see the throne room and those, those uh, cherubim that are there, you see them. The Bible says they move like lightning because they are connected with the most holy place. And they speak of a people who have the message. Thunder. Thunder. They have the movement like lightning. They move. Wherever they go, they move like lightning. They move in the spirit. And because of that, there is an earthquake that takes place. A manifestation shakes underneath. Things underneath are begin to be moved out of their place. 
And then as it's moved from beneath, then there's an outward change. There's a topography that's completely different than what it was before. So you have to be willing to go through the process. Now, what am I talking about? Is when you hear the message, the way you do it is respond to it. When you hear what I'm preaching this morning, the key to experiencing this dimension is simply responding to it. You hear the thunder, and because you hear the thunder now, you move like lightning. And because you move like lightning, then you shake like a mighty earthquake. Why? Because you have responded simply. That's all there is to it. You have simply responded to that message. You don't hear the message, and they go out and say, okay, now I'm going to do it. You, you couldn't do it if you wanted to. It's not hearing this thing here that I'm talking about. It's, listen, it is hearing it, but it's not hearing it in the sense, well, I'm going to go work now. It's connected with rest. When you hear it, you say, yes, Lord. I respond to it. I'll let you shake me. I'll let you judge me from your judgment seat. I'll let you deal with my devil. I'll let you deal with my flesh. I'll let you deal with my woman. Listen, listen. Did you catch that? I'll let you deal with my woman. You're the soul realm. When Babylon, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, Babylon, the Bible says by a mighty earthquake. Listen, by a mighty earthquake, it's divided into three parts. So this message affects you body, soul, your woman, and spirit. It divides asunder. It separates. Come on. And I'll tell you where we need the most work. We need the most work in the soul realm. We need the work in our mind. But the word of God removes the Babylonian confusion that's in your mind. It causes it to be divided. Do you understand? <clears throat> so when I hear it, I say, yes, Lord, I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you take that out of my life. I'm going to let you take that out of me. I'm going to let you shake hell in me. I'm going to let you shake my will. I'm going to let you come on somebody. Because I want your kingdom to come inside of me. Watch. Are y'all getting the message? The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hands to calf. Ooh, it's going to cause reproduction. <laughs> it's going to cause birthing to take place. Yes. And discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak his glory. Hello, temple of God. You are the temple of the living God. And everyone in his temple speaketh. They are messengers of His glory, His manifestation. Watch this. Yeah, yeah. And, and see, when we get to it, if I get, if I get, if by the grace of God, I get to finish the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. If I don't die on the way to Taiwan. <laughs> I can't let that, y'all have to keep that plane in the air, man. You're going to have to pray. That plane stays in the air, man. Because I got to finish the book of Revelation. <laughs> But if I get to finish the book of Revelation, you're going to see the temple in its fullness. And I'm looking at you right now. You're going to a place. You are going to become the city of the living God. And the city of the living God is a cube. And the cube is the most holy place. You are going to become the most holy place. 
You will be the city. You will be the temple of God in all its fullness. The New, the new Jerusalem is nothing more than a, a most holy place people. Now, and do I believe in the physical? Yeah, don't get me off on that. But we preach the physical New Jerusalem. We preach all the physical street of gold and all of that so many times. We don't know what they mean spiritually to us. And that's what I'm trying to get to right now. There is a spiritual application to all of these physical things that will be. Woo! God, I feel the Holy Ghost, man. Woo! And in, the temp- in his temple, hello, temple. Doth everyone speak of his weightiness, his kabod, his glory? Everybody's talking about it. God manifests himself. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Say the flood. Yeah, that's good. It's not going to just be a river. It's going gonna... to turn into a mighty torrent, man. And all of that's going to be so you can get rid of frogs. <laughs> See, I just want to tell you something in case you don't know that. In case you don't know this right now. The preaching of prophecy, the purpose of preaching of prophecy is always so that there will be a people that will be changed into His image. It's not so that we could just gather a bunch of facts together about the future. You know what I'm talking about? The, pro- the purpose of prophecy, all the Old Testament prophets or New Testament prophet John, the reason why he preached it was so that, that you would become like Jesus. So that there would be a revelation of the Lord in your life. That's why it's preached. It's not so we could... Now, if you're taking notes, I'm not... Speaking against that, I'm just saying what you need to understand is the message of prophecy is preached so that you will change. So that you will be conformed into his image. You will become the mighty messenger with a rainbow on your head, clothed with a cloud, sun on your face. That's the purpose of prophecy. Boy, I hope Pastor preach on the Ark of the Beast. Because I really liked it. You all want to know about what's going on in economics, you know. Well, that's all fine and good. But all of that is simply going to be taken out of the way. Why? So that he can appear. There are just simply things that hinder his appearing that have to be taken out of the way. So if this message is not changing you, then all you're after is a bunch of more facts. And I'm not just after facts. I'm after a manifestation of God's creation work. Hallelujah. A people that are becoming just like Him. Now watch this. The Lord will give strength. All of this is why. So the Lord will give strength unto His people. That's practical, man. The reason why you got thunder, a message, and lightning movement, and an earthquake manifestation is so that God can strengthen His people. What for? So that you can what? Manifest Him. So that this mighty messenger stands up in the midst of a corporate body in the last days. See, you have to be able to get a glimpse of it off the pages of this book first. But once you get a glimpse of it, then respond to it. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. I will respond to your word. I will overcome, God, by responding to your word. I'll overcome the beast. I'll overcome the harlot in me. I'll overcome everything. Shake everything you got to shake in me, God. Remove things out of my life. Remove people out of my life. Remove 
Go ahead, remove. Remove it. See, you know, and if you connect all this up in the prophets of the Bible, you're going to see that when Jesus comes back at the second coming, when he stands on the Mount of Olives, there's a great earthquake. Now, if you don't want to be shaken, you don't want to be in this. When he comes and he stands, when Jesus stands up in his holy temple, when Jesus stands up on the Mount of Olives, you might as well just get ready. There is going to be a shaking. You can't avoid it. You can't run from it. You can't hide it, hide from it. Best thing you can do is just say, here I am. I'm going to join it, man. I'm going to be right there with him. I'm going to follow the Lamb with us wherever he goes. I will be a virgin. I will be a pure bride. I'll be a sun-clothed woman with a man under her feet, pregnant with him, pregnant with Jesus. The Lord will get, now watch. Did you catch what I just said? Now I'm going, I've got to close because I'm running out of time. Hallelujah. It'll just make you hungry for next week. But in closing, I have to let you understand something here. That in this hand of this mighty messenger, there is an open book. Say an open book. And it's connected, I believe, with the first scroll in the book of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. The throne room in Revelation 4, the scroll in the hand, come on, on the one, uh, in the hand of the one on the throne. And Jesus is opening that scroll. Now in Revelation 10, in this vision, this mighty messenger also has the scroll in his hand. Are you with me? It speaks of a marriage covenant. Covenant. It is a covenant book. He is the messenger of the covenant. He's the one that rides forth on the white horse. The messenger of the covenant. Oh, yeah. Okay. Before I get to that, though, i got to give you just a few more scriptures that I hear the Lord tell me. Let's go to Revelation 11 and verse 19. The Bible says, In the temple of God. So we just, Psalm 29, we talked about that temple. That last part, the people of God, give Him glory. The temple, right? Everyone, everyone. <laughs> anyway, you know, I read it to you. Verse 19, the temple of God was opened in heaven. Hello, heaven. Don't just think it's off somewhere out and, you know. Well, I believe that. I believe that the Lord sits upon His throne in the third heaven. But I'm talking to you. The Bible says that we are seated together in heaven, in Christ. Heaven is located in Christ. So I'm already in heaven. I'm seated together with Him in heaven right now. All right. Hello, heaven. <laughs> okay, so just I'm trying to get you here. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. The Bible says He will hear from heaven. What do you mean, yo? <laughs> if my people which are called by my name will pray and seek my face, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. He's going to hear. He's, what do you mean he's going to hear from heaven? Why would you make that? Of course you're going to hear from heaven, Lord. You're in heaven. What he wants you to understand is you are heaven. And so when he hears from heaven, he's hearing from you. And the Bible says he will hear from heaven and he will heal your land. A few more scriptures. Revelation 11. Let me finish. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen, seen in his temple the ark of his covenant the ark of his covenant 
And who, can I, let me ask you a real silly question. Because some of y'all right now are thinking about a little box. The ark, a little box. And wondering if it's over here, over here in Ethiopia or here, you know, where is the ark of God's? I want to tell you who the ark is. That's Jesus. Jesus is the ark. Now, I'm not taking away from that literal at all. But I want you to understand things. That the ark is Jesus. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in the temple. In the temple. Hello temple. The ark of the covenant. Jesus is the messenger of the covenant. And in fact he is the covenant. He's the ark. He's the covenant. He is the Bible. He's the word. He's the little book. He's the scroll. It's all him. He is the earthquake. He is, he is the thunder. He is the lightning. He is the cloud. He is the rainbow. He is the revelation of God. So when, now watch. The temple's over the ark of testimony. is seen and there were what? Lightnings. And voices. And thunderings. And an earthquake. And great hell in connection with the throne it's right there let's go to Matthew let's see what this is all about Lord I'm having a good time today God God is good God is good it's amazing man it's amazing it's amazing what the anointing does you don't have the anointing you don't have nothing let me go to John 12 let's look at John 12 let's look at this hallelujah John 12, praise God. John 12, thank you, Jesus. 28, John 12, 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then, look at this. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Double annunciation of deity. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said it thundered. Others said, a messenger spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Some, to some, all it sounded like was thunder. But to Jesus, it was the voice of God. And he said, this voice wasn't for my sake. He said, this voice was for your sake. That thunder was for your sake. That voice was for your sake. Now watch this. What is the connection? Are y'all awake? If you're not awake, I don't say how you can sleep. Now watch this. Look at the connection with this thundering voice. And now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And it's based on the finished work of the cross and his lifting up. When that mighty angel lifts his hand, it's the same word that's connected with Jesus being lifted up. Between heaven and earth. And it's connected to the cross. And there at the cross... 
the mess, the thunder took place. Come on. With that message of the cross, the thunder came. The voice came. And then it says, now is the world. Let me get this right. This is tricky wording. Now is the judgment of this world. Say judgment. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. When? When he's lifted up. So the message is the message of the, is connected with the message of the cross. That's the throne. Now watch. Go to Matthew. Please go to Matthew. I've got to hurry. Because I've got to take you into a whole other area in this passage. In Matthew 27, 51. Matthew 27, 51. Quickly. Quickly, quickly. Ooh, holla. Brother, I, I'm just about. Now let's start with verse 50. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice. He's hanging on the cross. Thank you, sister. We say with a loud voice. I cried with a loud voice. That mighty messenger cries with a loud voice. He yields up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. The veil was what was in front of the most holy place. And when Jesus dies on the cross, the finished work, the connection is the veil is rent. Now we have access in the most holy place because of what? The finished work. That's why the message of the most holy place is the message of the finished work. Because that's what removes the veil off of your mind. That's what takes the veil off of your head. Now watch, when this happens, it says, now listen, the veil is written twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. So in connection with the cross and Jesus' finished work, we have the rending of the veil and the quaking of the earth. Matthew 28, now let's take this over into his resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 1. And in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. This is at the end of the Sabbath. Jesus has already been resurrected on the seventh day. Hallelujah. And behold, there was a great earthquake. In connection with what? His resurrection. A great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. From the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as what? Dead men. All right, that's enough on the, the shaking. Look at your neighbor say there's a whole lot of shaking going on around here. You don't even have to tell me. But I, you know what? I have a responsibility just to preach the word of God. And left a whole lot of shaking going on around here. Go on. I don't care. I ain't going to stop the shaking. How do I know that? Because sometimes he shakes the hell out of me and I don't want to come back. <laughs> oh, Lord. No. I'm not supposed to confess that already. Okay. Let me close here. Now watch this. This little scroll in the hand of the Lord. Marriage covenant. All right. A covenant. Say a covenant. You've got some very interesting things taking place here. This mighty angel, this book that is in the scroll that is in the hand of that mighty angel, that mighty messenger, the Bible says is taken and given to the prophet. And the prophet is to eat the book. When he eats the book, it's sweet to the taste, but it's bitter to the stomach. 
And there's an oath that is sworn here by this mighty angel. Watch this. So you've got a mighty messenger. You've got an oath that is sworn. And you've got a prophet eating the scroll that produces bitterness to the, to the abdomen and sweetness to the mouth. And he is then told to go forth and preach the message of that scroll. Now watch. Here is why that is so significant. Numbers 5. Very quickly. I'm going to talk to you in closing right now about a very important thing called the commandment of jealousy. The commandment of jealousy. Really, I'd like to keep this and make this another message, but I, I, I just, I'm going to go ahead and go with it. A commandment of jealousy, number five. Numbers chapter five. Will you stay with me? Numbers chapter five. Hallelujah. Mm. In the Old Testament, God's good. Numbers chapter 5. Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. To test their faithfulness. To test the faithfulness of a man and a woman. This lie detector's test that would be taken a man let me explain to you a man if he suspected his wife to be committing adultery with another man if he suspected her there are certain steps that he had to take to see if it were true or not and it was called a lie detector's test now watch this numbers five and keep in mind the scroll in the hand of the mighty angel and then it's given to the prophet to eat Numbers 5, it says, praise the Lord. Let's start with verse 12. Speaking the children of Israel, saying to them, If any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him. Keep in mind, we're not just talking about the, the relationship between the man and the wife physically. This is a picture of Israel and God. This is a picture of the church and God. Okay, the ecclesia. Now watch. Speak of the children of Israel, say unto them, If any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, and a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and it be kept close, and she be defiled, there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner, and the spirit of jealousy, say the spirit of jealousy, come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled, or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest. He shall bring her offering for her, the tenth part of an ephod of barley meal. He shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense there uh, on it thereon, for it is the offering of jealousy, an offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. It's a lie detector's test. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water. Say holy water. In an earthen vessel. And of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle. The priest shall take and put it into the water. The priest shall set the woman before the Lord. And uncover the woman's head. Put an offering of memorial in her hands. Which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have his hand. In his hand the bitter water that causeth the curse. And the priest shall charge her by an oath. 
And say unto the woman, If no man hath lain with thee, and if thou hast not gone aside to uncleanness with another instead of thy husband, be thou free from this bitter water that causeth the curse. But if thou hast gone aside to another instead of thy husband, and if thou be defiled, and some man have lain with thee beside thine husband, then the priest shall charge, say charge, the woman with an oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, The Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people, when the Lord doth make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. And this water that causeth the curse shall go in thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. The woman shall say amen and amen. So it's going to be bitter to the abdomen. And the priest shall write these curses in a book and he shall blot them out with the bitter water. Say bitter water. And he shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causeth the curse. And the water that causeth the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. Then the priest shall take the jealousy offering out of that woman's hand and shall wave the offering before the Lord an offering upon the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering, even the memorial thereof, and burn it upon the altar. And say, upon the altar. And afterwards shall cause the woman to drink the water. And when he hath made her to drink the water, then it shall come to pass that if she be defiled and have done trespass against her husband, that the water that causeth the curse shall enter into her and become bitter, and her belly shall swell, her thighs shall rot, and the woman shall be a curse among her people. And if the woman be not defiled but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. This is the law of jealousy when a wife goeth aside to another instead of her husband and is defiled. Or when the spirit of jealousy cometh upon him and he be jealous over his wife and shall set the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute upon her all this law. Then shall the man be guiltless from iniquity and the woman shall bear her iniquity. Now let me explain something to you. You have a connection here with a scroll in Numbers 5 and the scroll in <clears throat> Revelation chapter 10. Let me just go through the steps with you, with, with, with you if I can. If a man finds, and this is according to the word of the Lord, and also according to Jewish scholarship, this is the steps that are taken. Are you here right now? If a man becomes jealous over his wife, she may have committed adultery or she may not have committed adultery. But if he's got a spirit of jealousy on him, he has to take certain steps to prove her innocence or her guilt. All right, you with me? It could be that she is guilty. Here is the process. The man goes to the woman in the presence of two witnesses. He brings a writing of jealousy and presents it to the woman, to his wife, in the presence of two witnesses. She must receive it from the hand of her husband. Woo! I said from the hand of her husband in the presence of the two witnesses. Hopefully she, well at that time then she goes, thank you brother. She goes from there. They're warning me I'm out of time. <laughs> no I'm not. She goes from there with her husband and two witnesses to the court of Israel. And from the court of Israel she is then taken to the Sanhedrin. There she stands before the Sanhedrin, hopefully that she will confess her unfaithfulness. But if she does not confess her unfaithfulness, well, if she's not unfaithful, she doesn't need to confess it. But if she is and she doesn't confess it, the same procedure applies. 
they take her then to the east gate the gate there in the east gate near the temple the gate Mackenner they take her there they present her to the priest the priest takes her in hallelujah with me here he sets her down he praise God he rips her clothes yes he puts a rope around her neck everybody can look upon her and gaze upon her with the exception of her servants are you with me he then takes a scroll he writes a curse on the scroll he uh, enters into an oath of purgation with this woman uh, an oath I should say an oath say an oath in this oath connected with this oath is this scroll that is a curse is written upon the scroll with the name of God on the scroll he then places in this uh, earthen vessel water from the laver of the temple this water from the laver of the temple is taken and then he gathers dirt off of the ground of the tabernacle he puts the dirt and the water in the earthen vessel he then takes the curse or the scroll that has the curse on it he puts that scroll inside of the water because listen even though she suspected of adultery it's not proof enough just to suspect her it has to be proven whether or not she's guilty or she's innocent of adultery and so with this paper with the written curse upon it with the oath having been administered by the priest with the earthen vessel and the dirt mixed in there uh, this scroll is placed in this water until all of the writing including the name of God is dissolved into the water with the dirt she then is given the bitter water to drink when she drinks the bitter water if she is guilty of adultery it's a lie detector's test then her belly her thigh will begin to swell because of the bitter water that has entered inside of her because she has been unfaithful to her husband listen to me and then the Bible says her thigh falls away her thigh rots because of the curse here are you with me right now do you understand that is if she is guilty but if she is innocent she gets up from that place having drank the bitter water with the curse inside of it under the charge of an oath hallelujah she gets up from that place because she is no longer guilty and from that time forth listen to me she becomes more beautiful than she ever was before and not only does she become more beautiful than she ever was before but she becomes more productive she starts having children left and right she becomes more productive more more fertile because she is not guilty of adultery praise the Lord now look at the connection this mighty angel's got a scroll in his hand and there is an oath that is taken and the Bible talks about when the prophet eats that scroll that prophetic word that his belly becomes bitter but his mouth is sweet and he's going to go and prophesy to peoples uh, nations and kings again he's going to speak to them and when he does it's going to bring a curse upon the harlot 
church. Revelation 17, the hearted woman will be judged. But look at this. When this message goes forth in connection to its delivery, Revelation 12, you see a sun-clothed woman. The Bible says the moon under her feet and she's pregnant with child. She's more beautiful than she ever was before. More fertile than she ever was before because she has found been found to be faithful unto God in Revelation 11 you've got the two witnesses that witness the whole thing so God is an awesome God but God is a jealous God he won't share you with anybody God is a jealous God And if you are faithful to the message of the covenant, you'll become more and more fertile and more and more beautiful. But if you are not, you play the adultery on God, then God, come on, it will bring a curse upon your life. It'll cause your belly to, to rot, your, your belly to swell and rot and your thigh to fall away. I don't want that. Yeah. Hallelujah. But here's the good news. In connection with her, she's sitting there in that seat and she's got barley grain in her hand. And in that water, he put some wormwood and he put some bitter herbs along with that scroll. And there she's sitting right there. And there's a sacrifice in connection with the altar, in connection to this law of jealousy or the law of commandment. Come on, are you here with me? I want you to understand what I'm trying to show you is that the finished work of Christ is so awesome. Hallelujah. It doesn't give you a license to play the, play the harlot. It never does. Never does. Come on. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God entered into covenant with Israel? When they broke the covenant that God said, take that, come on, take the golden calf, grind the golden calf, put it in water and make them drink it. So once you enter into covenant, it doesn't give you a license to be unfaithful. God will still make you drink the water. But here's the good news. Before the cross, all of us was the unfaithful woman. But because a sacrifice has been made. When that adulterous woman sat in that chair. When I sat in that chair. Before God. Jesus took the curse on the cross. And said, it is finished. No wonder in John chapter 8, there's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. He reaches down to the dirt, to the ground, and writes on the ground. He said, you're forgiven. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Because I will take your place. In just a few days from now, I will die on the cross. And become a curse for you. So... Where are those thine accusers? There are none, Lord. Neither do I accuse you, but go and sin no more, because I'm taking your place. And so what Jesus did is he took my place, and he walked up there, and I was sitting in, I, I was sitting in that chair. But he said, I'll take the scroll of curse, and I'll drink it myself, and I'll take the bitterness of the cross. Come on, I'll become a curse for you. And when he did that, the woman got up out of the chair and she walked out free and delivered and forgiven. 
when Jesus did that for me, instead of me rotting and dying and my flesh, my, my uh, thigh falling away, Jesus sat in the chair for me. I walked out of that place. And when I walked out of that place, I turned around and looked to see the one that sat upon the throne. And I saw one like the Son of Man. I want you to know today that Jesus is the one that took your place on the cross. And if you'll just turn around and you'll get a glimpse of the one sitting on the throne today, he's the one that took your place. And now he offers you, he invites you, and he says, come and sit with me in my throne. There is nothing like this. So when this prophet begins to preach, it doesn't curse him. It curses only adulterous harlot church system. But it produces a woman clothed with a sun, the moon under her feet, pregnant with the Messiah. Let's stand. Father God, I thank you today for your awesome word. We go forth from this place, God, today. We declare, we proclaim, it is done. It is finished. I thank you today, Lord, that you took my place. It is finished. And now, Lord, because I'm redeemed by the blood, because I'm filled with the Spirit, now you call me to overcome so that I may enter behind the veil and have intimacy with my true husband. I desire to be intimate with you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, as I enter beyond the veil right now, that you don't see my shame. You don't see my sin, my guilt. Because I embrace the cross and the outer court. And I thank you for the awesome finished work of Calvary. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for a message of thunder, the message of the most holy place. Thank you for the flash of lightning, the movement of the most holy place. Thank you for the earthquake in my life that shakes everything in me that's not of your kingdom. I respond to the word that I've heard today. I will walk it out by the grace of God. In Jesus' name. I have to tell you one last thing. You remember when old Jacob, when he married, when he got married? Laban said, you work seven years, and I'll give you Rachel. He works seven years. He wakes up next to not Rachel, but Leah, the older daughter. Leah literally means weary. Leah also means a wild cow. So Jacob wakes up after having worked for seven years next to a wild cow who's very weary. And the Bible says that she was tender-eyed. The King James says she's tender-eyed. It literally means she had a dumb look in her eye. <laughs> so Leah wakes up to a woman with a dumb look in her eye. Weary, wild cow. And the Bible says she's veiled. Did you hear? She's veiled. She's veiled. There has to be something that removes the veil.
has a relationship with her. Hallelujah. <laughs> with Leah and two other concubines, they together, they have ten sons, speaks of the law. When you're under the law, it produces weariness. I'm not talking about that there is no law. I'm saying if you're trying to produce righteousness by the works of the law, it produces weariness. I'm not saying we're without law. I'm not saying that. But when you're under the law and trying to produce your own righteousness by your own goodness, you get weary. You get wore out. Like a wild cow veiled. No revelation. No revelation. No removing of the veil. Are you here? And you work and you strive and you labor for seven years. But after seven years... Hallelujah. How would you feel if you woke up to a veiled woman with a dumb look in her eye? Y'all look at me like that. I'll talk, this is God. This is in the book. This, that, you know that's the way a lot of people are in God? God's married to Aaliyah. He's married to a people who have a dumb look in their eye. Who don't have a clue. <laughs> they just don't have a clue. They got a veil on their face and they're weary with well-doing. But after that, Jacob says, you promised me Rachel. I love Rachel. Laban says, okay, give you Rachel right now and then you work for seven more years. So he gets her right then and then he works after he receives her. Here's the point. She Listen, doesn't say she's veiled. Doesn't say she has a dumb, dumb look in her eyes. It's from a place of receiving that you then work. It's not from a, come on, it's not working then to receive. It's because you have received that you then work. Work at your own salvation with fear and with trembling. So it is finished. His work is finished. And I have received it. I have responded to it. I don't have a veil. I stuck my head behind the veil. I've got a revelation of it. I'm living it out. But that produces works in my life. Not the other way around. I don't work to receive. I work after having received. And there's nothing like it. God bless you. I love you. You are dismissed. And we'll see you tonight. Remember at 4.15, New Believers class, 5.30 is prayer, 4 o'clock is, is choir practice. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How many of you love the Lord today? How many of you love Him? How many of you love Him this Word today? How many of you want everything that God has for you? You want to receive it and then walk it out. God bless you. We'll see you tonight in Jesus' name.